Welcome to the Real Estate Trainer Podcast with your host, Brian Eisenhower. This podcast is brought to you by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. ICC provides customized and structured coaching and training programs for real estate agents and team leaders, representing many of the top producing agents in North America. ICC also offers broker and owner consulting on agents recruiting, training, and retention. For more info, visit EisenhowerCoaching.com or find us on Facebook. Let's talk about real estate team structure, but I'm going to start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Any Sound of Music fans? Anyone? No, that's good. (laughs) It's probably bad if you are. Don't admit it in public. Okay. This is our small team org structure. Okay, so we're gonna start here now. For small teams, I can tell you, there usually is a very defined way that they should start, okay? A very defined way that they should start. Um, you know, you, you let's say you start the team, you're the person, you're the, you're the team leader that starts the team, okay? Rainmaker, whatever you wanna call them, lead agent. They start the team. The first person you should hire without a doubt is an administrative person, someone to handle listing to contract and contract to close. Okay. That is where you start. Now that's not where most agents start. Most agents go this way first. Why? Can anybody guess why? It's not as scary. This is scary. Why I got to pay them every two weeks not scary only have to pay them when they close something and it never really comes out on my bank account so most people say i'm gonna hire this 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 one two three and they never do this and guess what they sink and they fail and they have high turnover and they struggle and they always wonder why they've never been able to join a real estate team it's because they missed the first foundational building block that everything's built on make sense why There's three things that a team provides as value to its agents. Number one, it's leads. We got to provide them leads. Don't start a team because you want them to bring you business. Like I can't sell much, but if I start a team, they'll all just bring me business. It's amazing how often that happens. It it defies logic that that someone would do this. It's like you have to have some sort of cult following or something. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I don't know what you give me, but I'm going to give you all my business. (laughs) Like it's really weird to me. Um, But again, you know, your mentorship's only going to go so far. Your charisma's only going to go so far. We've got to provide some sort of leads here, okay? And generally speaking, I say you've got to be able to provide them more leads than they can generate themselves. And I call that my matching standard. So if you want a successful, healthy team, you need to stay ahead of every single agent on it, okay? You need to stay ahead of every agent, which means at the end of the year, if they've done 30 deals, more than 15 of them better have come from you or you've got a flight risk on your hand. That, my friends, is the secret sauce. It's amazing how many people don't know that. We can go into that in deeper detail later on if you guys want, but again, it's gonna be on you to ask. But for now, we gotta provide leads. And that's how many leads, enough to stay ahead of them, okay? Number two, we gotta provide accountability, mentoring, and training. That's the easiest thing to provide. That's what everyone provides, some better than others, but we've got to provide accountability. We've got to provide training, mentoring, deal doctor answers, things like that. Okay, so leadership, if you will. 
And then number three, you're gonna need to provide strong admin support. Strong admin support, not, hey, I'm paying someone $200 a file to handle it for you, admin support. That's weak admin support. Strong admin support is you write an offer, it goes under contract, and you don't even know who the freak the buyers are until it closes. Maybe you get involved negotiating the inspection repairs. That's about it. Why? Here's why, guys. These guys are on reduced commission splits. More, more often than not, 50% commission splits, okay? So if they're on that, for them to make more money being with you, even if you're giving them more deals than they're bringing, they're, they're having to do more transactions to make the same amount of money because they're on 50% commission splits, let's say. So that's more work for them, unless all they're doing is writing offers and throwing it over their shoulder and it's getting handled. Then they can do three to four to five times more transactions a year. And even though they're on a reduced split, they're making two to three times as much. So you have to provide strong admin support, someone that takes it all the way, not just some journeyman transaction coordinator that you have to like give all your info to and then they put it in the computer. It's like double the work. You need someone who just takes it, owns it, reaches out, proactively calls your clients every single week to tell them what we've done last week, what's coming next week, has them do the sign. You don't even know what's going on unless they CC you on stuff. Hopefully they do that. See what I'm saying? Well, they handle it like a good dental hygienist does for the dentist. You think the dentist has a clue how the, the appointments went? No. When it's time to see you, he looks at the hygienist report. He looks at the x-rays that were taken. He didn't have any of it done. Same with a doctor, same with lawyers, they all have that. I mean, if you wanna be professional, that's professional. If you don't think you can do that and that's unprofessional, then maybe you're not the leader. Maybe you're a warrior, but just not a great chief because you gotta be able to train somebody else to the levels you expect, just like all those other professionals do. Make sense? Everybody get that? Hey, Brian. Yeah, Xavier. Hey. Yeah, so, Javier? Um, yeah, this is Javier, how are you? Why is it Xavier? It should be Xavier. You don't well, pronounce that's how, that. That's how it's spelled. That's how it's spelled. It's either one. Okay. <laughs> hey, man, I got friends that they're, they're both those names, and they all spells it like with the X. <laughs> yeah, you call me either one. Okay, all right. But hey, enough. I had a question. So <laughs> I understand what you're saying about the at this admin person, right? Yeah. How much? How much would you have to pay someone like that to stick around? Because I mean, minimum wage is not going to get you someone that can carry a file throughout the whole process. Um, right, right. And well, I'll give obviously you... it will have to be someone that's licensed, correct? No, it does not have to be someone who's licensed. I mean, but you can always get them licensed. It kind of helps if they if they do, but they're not negotiating contracts. All you're really doing is, you know, negotiating the contract for them or you're taking the listing and then they're servicing it. They're not really doing any real estate activity. They're getting signatures and things but you're usually negotiating the contract. Now, there are admins once they get licensed that'll totally even negotiate for you, inspections and contracts. Um, I see that happen all the time. Um, and they just, that's when an admin gets licensed and gets really, really good. But let me give you an example here. Let me just do some quick math, carry the one. Okay, so I, you know, I would say a good admin, you know, depending on where you live matters a lot on salaries, but you're usually starting 30, 35,000 a year minimum. And admin salary is usually 12% of your GCI. That's your budget, 12% of your GCI. So whatever your GCI is, that's how much that you should be pouring into admin. Now, again, I don't think you need an admin until you get up to about 30 transactions a year. At 30 transactions, 
that is when I would start the team because I think at that point, that's when if you're doing 30 transactions, even you know, especially given to 40, that's when you're not going to be able to lead generate anymore in the in the spring and summer because you're too busy servicing your business. Your lead generation will shut down. So it's okay up until 30 transactions to get a journeyman TC. Someone just saves you a little time. But when you get up to 30, 40, you know, where you just pay them by the file, like 300, 400, whatever bucks a file. But then once you get up to that number, you need to, that's when you need to invest and make sure 12% of your GCI is going into that admin salary. Because now you got someone that once we get under contract, they're gone. Once you take a listing, they've got it. And you can still lead generate. And you're going to get a you know a seven to eight to one return off that salary. You're going to make that much money off it. You're going to pay that much to make a lot, you know, eight times it. That makes sense. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Apple. We were talking real estate team Hi. structures here. Um, and I was just starting off on the small team and I was getting ready to go to the big team. Just had a few questions about it. No, I love it. But, but any questions you got, unmute and ask or throw them in the chat room. Either one. You can totally interrupt me. Hey, one thing, Brian, I, I was looking online on Amazon and uh, man, you have a lot more books than I thought. That's awesome. I got a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> you got a ton of books on there. Yeah, know, this is probably an appropriate time to plug the high performing real estate team book. That's my latest book. Um, if you want to get it, give us some Amazon reviews or whatnot. It is the most thorough book on real estate teams ever written. I promise you on that. It is power packed with, with stuff. These org charts are in there too. Okay. So that's why. So that's, I, I'd say that's about how much you pay. You know, now again, it's 12%. I mean, I have admins on teams that are, they're making 80, $90,000 a year because that team has grown and their GCI has grown. And this person is now not just an admin, they're an administrative manager overseeing a transaction coordinator, a listing manager, and a marketing director. That admin team has grown. So they've grown. And I guarantee you, as long, you know, those teams, all keep their admin salaries below 12%. So you'd be very happy if that was only 12%. Oh, thanks, thanks, uh, Candace, for throwing my book in there. There's the book if you want to get it. If you had to come to the ICC Summit last week, you would have gotten one for free and I would have signed mm. it. I'll still sign it for you. Not that that's a big deal. Um, can't read my signature anyway. Brian. <laughs> yeah. Brian, this is Jesse. Where are you? Oh, hey, Jesse. Um, so the reality for me that came to is that I shouldn't even be attempting to do anything with building a team until I get, I am totally committed to this nine or 12 time blocking for prospecting, um, which I am. And that's really what I come to understand that I shouldn't be fooling around with hiring any, anybody or any administrator admin until I'm in that production, like you said, 30 transactions. And the way I've learned, to, the way I'm seeing that it's going to get done, it's going to happen. And sometimes, you know, is for me to sit down and knuckle down and get, um, you know, iron out those uh, nine, to, nine to 12 prospecting, you know, just get it done. And that's really what I've done. And I, you know, sometimes that's what I, that's what's been happening to me that I disappeared. Now you don't see me much on zoom calls because that's what I'm doing. I'm making those, those calls and those touches. And, and basically I was told that um, once I finish these nine to 12, you know, my time blocking for prospecting, then it's going to feel like you just got out of the gym that you should feel that way. You should feel tired because you've been talking and really Apple. hustling. Let me, let me, let me, uh, one of the best in the business at doing this. I don't know if she's doing it right now. I don't know if I can get Apple freed up, but Apple, if you free up, you could chime in on how good you feel after you lead generate and make some calls for three hours. 
Apple's as good as they come in doing this. Um, or she has been. There she comes. Hey, Brian. Hey. Uh, the, my favorite part is taking listening. Yeah, <laughs> taking. Yeah, you're right. The results of the calls, <laughs> the calls themselves aren't so fun. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Apple, Apple, Apple. You were you were on the mastermind. Uh, you were in the uh, mastermind, weren't you? With uh, with the uh, just recently last week, weren't you? Oops, I don't think so, Jesse. Okay. All right. Yeah. Never mind. It very well have been a video that you saw of Apple in a mastermind because she's been in a gazillion of them. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, Apple's a great example of someone who lead generated every every day and very quickly. I mean, we're talking about thirty. We're talking about closing three a month. I mean, that could very well be next spring or summer, Jesse. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's that. It's not very far. Three a month is thirty six transactions a year. At that point in time, you need to start thinking about leverage because it's going to be very hard to go to 46 or 56 without some sort of people help. You know what I'm saying? You're going to start stopping lead generating um, and servicing the business during the busy times of year when there's the most business to be had, you know? So that's, that's kind of the key there. So you're close and I think you should be learning all this because you need to see what's coming. Why? Because once you get these people in place you don't need to burn the you know burn the jets quite as hard as you are right now there is a light at the end of the tunnel because every time these teams get bigger you make more income and you should be working less so long as we stay consistent does that make sense so at the bigger the team as long as everything's going correctly you should be working less and making more money actually everyone should on the team Brian, do you know anybody who is running a team and with the admin part, instead of hiring somebody, they're using like a virtual assistant as the admin? Yeah, I mean, you can. Again, a virtual assistant, you know, you know, as long as, you know, it, there's two ways to go virtual assistant. You can do it by the file, like I said. And I think, again, you're not going to get nearly the type of service, right? I mean, getting people to sign in person, quite frankly, there's a lot of people need to sign in person. Having someone local also can be very important if that person is covering some marketing for you, right? Because typically your admin isn't just a contract to close person. They're listing to contracts, they're contract to close, they're marketing, they're social media, they're everything you can't get to, right? And it's very hard to find VAs that will go there. Now you can get a VA that's salaried, but same thing, do they really have local knowledge? That's why most top teams ultimately settle on getting a person that is local, that is in person. But yes, can that work on the way to that before you can afford that? Absolutely. It certainly can save you time, without a doubt. Now, where I see VAs being the most useful as is an assistant to your assistant. So if you got an admin assistant, they bring that person to input in all the listings or do the real repetitive work, the real redundant work, that kind of thing. Get all the disclosures signed, that kind of stuff, if that makes sense. Okay, so let me speed ahead. Okay, so let me just wrap this up. So here is that initial screen. I'm gonna move off it. So basically the the order goes like this. First, you hire that admin, then you hire the buyer's agent. And then in theory, if all goes well, you hire a third buyer's agent. And then depending how well those two do, you might hire a fourth transaction coordinator. But you also might bring on four or five buyer's agents till you hire the second admin. 
because you can't go past like 100 to 120 transactions a year with just one admin. So it's however many agents it takes you to get there. Again, that may depend on your price point where you live. You know, there might, you know, might be a more volume centric area like Los Angeles where the average price is up around 800,000. Or if you live in Iowa and your average price is 150,000, you're probably gonna bring on that second person a lot more quickly. You see what I'm saying? Um, so it just depends how many of these we need to bring on. In this, I put the average, which is, you know, you bring on two buyer, two, and you might just have one buyer's agent come on that doesn't really produce at a high level. For whatever reason, they might get pregnant, they might be going through divorce, you know, life happens, right? Um, they may still have another job, so you might have to bring on a third, and, and that's what pushes you over that 100 unit per year mark. Fourth, fifth, who knows? So everyone's different, there's not, like everyone's just not gonna come on your team and be perfect. Um, and, and, and successful team leaders know that. So they don't like have these strict regimented, everybody on my team's gotta sell two a month. Like that, that's crazy. Cause that does not happen in real estate. You know, people have life things. You're gonna fire people if they get like breast cancer. No, so stuff happens, you know, stuff happens. So anyway, that's your small team. Then you start moving into two types of mid-sized teams. And this is when we have to start making decisions as to whether you're going to go traditional or hybrid team. Okay. And there's two types of teams out there. There's traditional and there's hybrid. Here's a traditional team. And a traditional team is where we keep, so at this, at this size, we pretty much have three, probably three admin over here, which means we're probably going north of 200 transactions a year now. And then our sales team's going to be split into two now. We're going to have buyer's agents and listing agents. We might even have showing assistants training to be buyer's agents, helping the buyer's agents show property. And they usually get paid somewhere between 10 and 20%. So the buyer's agents are just, you know, working nine to five. They're not working weekends anymore. They're not working nights because they got showing specialists helping them out. So that now a buyer's agent that could only close 40 transactions in a year could close 70 because we got new showing assistants always onboarding as the team grows and they, you know, they pay their six months dues, their year long dues, help out, do a good job. Pretty soon they can be buyer's agents too. It's a great little training vehicle. Um, so a lot of teams will elect to use showing assistants, but you don't have to, you could just use buyer's agents. I have a lot that do that too. And then on the listing side, so we keep them separate there. Okay. Now this is tricky because um, there's also the hybrid team, which has kind of come on in recent years that has caused a lot of traditional teams to say, I can't compete because if I try to recruit agents, they're going to go to the hybrid team because the hybrid team says, come to my team because I'll let you do buyers and listing sides. I don't differentiate the two. So you can come to my team and do both buyers and listing sides. And that's the difference between the hybrid and the traditional. Almost all teams are one or the other. Um, so when this started happening, this is much more recent. This started happening probably, I don't know, inside the last 10 years. And, you know, there's pros and cons of each, I see. But I, a lot of people will say, I can't hold up the traditional team because I'm losing recruits to the hybrid teams that are saying you could take listings too. Now, that's not a good excuse because you shouldn't lose teams to teams because of that. You just don't know how to retain your agents against them. So... Um, again, I'm just going to talk until people ask me questions. But again, same deal. The only difference between those two is we're letting them do both. Do you guys have any interest as knowing the pros and cons of each of those two structures? Anyone? 
Yes, Brian. Yeah, I, I would um, agree. Yeah. Let's hear it, Apple. So, I think we are. We finally hit as of today. We're a hundred closed and pending. Way to I'm go! And it's October. Nice yeah. job. Yeah. So so nice excited. Job. Congrats. Um, so right now. I am the only one taking listings with the exception of my husband when he runs into one. Um, and then I've got one buyer's agent and two full-time assistants. And we just recently, excuse me, added on a um, TC um, to help me out right now. So my- What are you doing? How are you doing with your life balance? Oh, I think it's awesome. I mean, we were gone for two weeks, take my oldest to college. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'm, I don't ever, I haven't worked weekends and I don't know how long. So okay. home every night for dinner. And I think it's pretty balanced. They want to say, good. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but my, my thing is my, I'm starting to see my buyer's agent who's been with me for four years. She is now starting to get some repeat business and some of those are listings. And as of right now, she's, a, she's okay with it, that I'm the one that it just gets passed on to me and she gets, you know, we've got an agreed split on that. Um, but I can, on our weekly meetings, I can hear in her voice that she is curious uh -huh. on taken on these listings and so i'm still at the traditional way of buyer's agent buyer's agent and then myself as a listing agent and then i want to grow it that way to where it's separated so i can do that that's great that's great so let's do a little diagnostic on this you guys okay. are going to learn so much from this that's good because you're at a crossroads right now apple you're getting to a place you're not quite there yet mm-hmm you're about to be like when you get to a place where you're like, you know what? I don't really want to go any more listing appointments. Like I got a listing from someone, you know, and they, they're 30 minutes away and it's like, you know, a cheap house and I don't even want to go. Right. When that happens, that's like, uh oh, like we know that you're getting overloaded because you're starting to discriminate on your listings too much. You know what I'm saying? Right. So at that point, it's like, do I bring on another listing specialist or do I allow them to start doing both? You know what I'm saying? Mm hmm. Now with, you know, there's also another thing is we could, you know, how many buyer's agents you got right now? Just her. A hundred transactions between the two of you? Well, my husband does some Oh, that's too. right. Yeah. How many is she going to close this year? <laughs> she is, um, she will close 20. She'll close 20. How many of those were generated by the team versus her? 85%. Team? Yep. 15% her. Okay. Yes. Does she know that? We just went over it yesterday. Beautiful. That needs to be on your team scoreboard every single week because because she won't know that unless you unless you keep that proactively in front of her, right? Right. So you can see here's my old janky scoreboard. That's the one I like to use. None of my teams do anymore. You always need to show closed year to date totals for each team, then how many were given to them from the team and how many they generated from their own SOI. Okay. You have to always stay ahead of the team or they'll start to feel entitled. Right? Got it. Yep. Because here's why. If she's bummed about not getting to take a listing, we got to be able to explain why it doesn't matter to her. And, and if you say, why is it important to you to take a listing? She's going to give you three or four reasons. Number one, I want to learn how to do listings. Okay. Mm -hmm. Number two, I don't want to hand off my clients to you, Apple. I want them to stay my clients. Number three, I want to make money. Like I want the money from handling my own listings. I don't want to give that to you. Is there anything else I'm missing? I think it's just those three. 
Yeah, just those three. Right. She's going to say that. So I asked that question. What's important to you? And then she's going to tell you one of the three. And then I'm going to say, I bet you there's more than that. How about this and this too? Let's get them all out there, right? She's going to say, yeah. And now I'm going to knock all three of these objections out. Okay. You ready? Mm -hmm. Number one. Learning how to take listings? Well, that's how I'm going to teach you. You're going to come with me on the listing appointment. You're going to hand, you can, you can learn everything I do. I can show you how to do it. No one takes more listings than me. And I'm going to show you how to do it. You're going to learn the whole process. I'm going to do it with you. I mean, it's your relationship anyway. So come with me. You can help me handle the whole thing. You can learn all you want. Okay. Number two, okay. you can put your name on the sign. You can market it. So you're going to still be, you can be, you can handle as much of communication with her as you want to. You're also going to take them out on the buy side and show them property, I'm assuming too. So, you know, you stay there too. Um, you're going to, your sign's going to be on everything. I'm just going to a listing appointment. And it's going to go under my name and MLS. But as far as I'm concerned, it's both of us handling it. So I, Apple should just help you bring credibility because I know that she knows you and likes you, but does she trust you to actually do the best job? Well, that's where I help right? So I'm going to come in there and you're going to still maintain that relationship. She's going to stay in your sphere of influence. We don't take people from each other's sphere of influence ever. Okay. So those stay with you always. Okay. Right? And then three money, you're actually going to make more money giving it to me. Here's why you have a matching standard, right? Apple, anytime they bring an agent, you owe them one to stay ahead of them. Correct. Or sorry, right. anytime they bring a client. Yep. You yep. owe them one to stay ahead of. This is the key, the secret sauce, guys. You got to get this in real estate teams. It's what most people don't know. The matching standard. So let's say they bring you a listing. Don't you owe them one more buyer to make up for? Yeah. Right. Now, don't they also represent them on the buy side? Yes. So they brought another buyer and they get that one too. So you got to match that. So they got the buyer that you got to use to match their listing that you've got to give to them. Mm -hmm. The buyer they brought, they're going to represent themselves. And then you got to give them another buyer to match that buyer side. Right. So you, you got to match the listing side. You got to match the buy side. And they got the buy side. They've got three sides. All you get is the freaking listing. That's my bad pinky. See what <laughs> I'm saying? So don't get sick, but it is broken. That makes sense? Yeah. If you weren't involved, they would just have a listing and a buyer side. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So because of the matching standard, you're actually always going to stay ahead of them. They can brand themselves. They can put their name on the sign. They can put their photos right on the flyers on the fly, just right next with you. Who cares? Brand them. Go nuts. There's really no negative there. And then I would say, hey, here, what's her name again? What's her, your buyer's agent's name? Cassie. Oh yeah, Cassie. So I'd say, hey, Cassie, here's the deal. I mean, if you get to a point where I cannot match you, like at the end of next year, if we have 30 closed transactions and more than 15 of them come from you, I might start letting you take listings. Okay. She might start being your lead buyer's agent. Who cares? Wouldn't you be happy if she brought 15 transactions to your team? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and wouldn't she be great at helping you recruit, retain agents in the future so you didn't have to do that? Yes. Yeah, so that's how someone qualifies to move into the lead sales agent role is they actually start producing at a high level and most importantly, bring their own business to the team. Then you can cut her in on a 5 or 10% override off all the sales of that team. So now she gets her own sales because she can keep selling and she can maybe pick up 5 to 10% off all of the rest of the teams, not yours, but all the, all the other agents' sales. Right. And, you, and, and she's in charge of recruiting and retention. 
if she'd be someone that's good at doing that. You see, or, or want to do that. And I'm not sure she is, but you know, you know better than me. Yeah. So you see what I'm saying? So you actually create that path for growth. But, you know, for someone like Cassie, if she were to get mad and say, hey, I want to go to this other team because they let me take listings, you know what they don't do? They don't match leads. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, if she were to leave you, Apple, she would lose 85% of her income. Right. Yep. And she's got to know that. Every time in that team meeting, I wouldn't talk about it, but I'd have it up there year to date, you know, you've closed like, you know, two and the team's given you 13. Like I want her to see that. I, w- I wouldn't go over it every time, but it'll be up there. She'll look at it and she'll realize, remember where her bread is buttered. Like, oh, that, I'm pretty happy I'm here. Cause if not, I'd have two deals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? And I'd lose the bulk mm-hmm. of my business. That's why that's so crucial. And that's why a lot of teams don't work is they don't generate enough business to stay ahead of it. You do by far, you know, you could stand to probably have two or three more buyer's agents because at that ratio, you could easily stay ahead of three of them. Right. And that's when they say, how much should I grow? How often should I build? You know, is you can, you can grow as fast as you can stay ahead of all your agents. As long as you're ahead of them all, you can keep growing. The minute it starts getting tough to stay ahead of them, might want to slow down and generate some more business. But you're hey, going to find okay. it's a lot easier to stay ahead than you think. Thomas. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm the exact opposite of Apple right now. We're, we're the hybrid team. Uh, right, okay. and same thing. We're, we're, we're right around the same numbers. I think we're at 105 right now. Um, close year to date. So ours, for, for us, in the beginning, when I first started the team, you know, coming over from uh, Kevin and Danny's place, you know, back over, back to KW, um, pumped a lot of money into leads and things like that. And we just, what I found out is my team just, you know, some of, some of them convert well, but I was just spending thousands of dollars a month and, you know, they were just kind of falling through the cracks. And I was like, man, I'm going to, so I cut that. And we kind of did, uh, our team is structured now off of that book, 7L, seven levels of communication. Yeah. So we, we do the, you know, we do the events, <clears throat> you know, uh, throughout the year. Uh, so that's kind of our val- value proposition because our, I really looked at our team and, and very heavy SOI base. And so myself, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying not to sell over 50. And like, so I'm like 43 right now and 90% of those are listings. And I've given another 20 away to the team, but um, looking at growing and, and stuff and accountability and, and different things like that. I mean, our goal, I want to push over 200 next year. Um, and with that, obviously looking at pushing more in Google and different lead sources for some of that. Um, and push the SOI harder, push the SOI yeah. harder. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's my good friend, Michael Mayer with 7L because he's a Kansas City boy. And, um, and that's, or used to be at least. And that's, to me, that is the the foundation is when you set up that matching standard and you put it on the scoreboard and you talk about it all the time, you're telling them they need to bring business to the team from their own SOI. So what do you do to help them grow their SOI? What type of client events do you put on? Do you have them doing annual reviews? Do you help them with their mailers and doing all their, you know, 30 to 40 contacts, everybody in their SOI, uh, you know, are you ensuring they're growing their SOI? Because that's how they're ultimately going to build their business and not mm-hmm. feel like they're going to lose their identity with you. You're saying, no, 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 it's your SOI. I want you out in front. Me, mm-hmm. Thomas Curtis or Apple Coriol, we're going to stay way in the back, almost like a broker and put the agent's name and face out in front. 
you know, our, our team branding is going to be kind of small because why? Because we don't know your people, you know your people. So we want you to be out in front of all the marketing to connect with them. So if yeah. we have a client event, I want to see all of your guys there. I don't need a lot of Thomas's people there. I, my SOI is fine. Heck, I'm trying to cut, take less sales. These yeah. events are for you, right? Mm -hmm. So, and you build that foundation. That's the right way to sell real estate. And it's the way they really feel like you're in it for them. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You're putting them first. And it, again, it doesn't cost you as much money if you do it that way. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. Like I'm, I'm right with you. That's the way to do it, Thomas. I'm telling you, that's how yeah, you do it. Yeah, I just kind of, you know, we really sat down and uh, looked at the temperature of the team and looked at, you know, where they're predominantly wanting to go. And I was just pouring money, you know, just, man, yeah, I was just getting wasted on on leads uh, that yeah, nobody was close. I, I mean, um, you could pull all the real estate agents and say, hey, who would you rather work with? Would you rather try to chase down people you don't know through prospecting or you know converting online leads, or would you rather develop a book of business that came to you from people you do know? Everyone's going for the second one. Yeah, yeah. Everyone. So if you want a value prop that attracts talent to your team, make sure that that's part of it. You know, you can do the other yeah. stuff. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you can certainly do that to help supplement their business. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. You should do both, but make sure you don't forget the SOI because that's the hard part. They often just mm -hmm. overlook the SOI and try to go for the low hanging fruit, the people that want to buy right now, even though they don't know them. They don't mm -hmm. do the long-term work, the SOI. Yeah. So you're always going to battle uphill and say, no, I know you don't like calling your people. I know you don't like staying in contact with people because they don't want to buy or sell right now. I know you don't, but for you, I'm going to make you do it because that's how I built my business. That's how I want you to build your business. Yeah. So that's where you and become the mentor. So like accountability and stuff. I know, you know, at the summit this weekend, uh, this past week, I mean, there's a, a lot of great, great stuff there, but accountability for, for things like that, because less than half of our team, you know, does over 10 transactions, you know, there's maybe like four or five people really produce. And we have two that are, you know, give or take 15, the 20, um, go three, give or take. Um, so, you know, as far as accountability and stuff, you, you recommend any any good stuff or any fun things to keep it going when, you know, things are starting to go dry a little bit? Thomas, how many, how many events have you done in the last um, 10 months? I mean, so normally uh, a year we, we, we do like four events. Like we do, uh, we do, uh, um, well, normally in the, in the, in the, uh, we do like a coffee in the beginning of the year. And then we did like a, a park event a couple months after that. Normally in the summer we do, we did like a movie theater event where I would rent a couple movie theaters and we'd give away stuff. But last year, you know, this last year with COVID, we didn't do that. Um, so we did like, a the week we went to do our park event, it was like 115 degrees outside. So we, we ended up canceling that. It was too, yeah, it was scorching crazy and then we do uh we do a pie event at the end of the year and then we have a big nonprofit that we do um a big community event we feed about two thousand people give over a thousand presents away um that our team's involved with so we do i mean i just we just kind of like i said i took a pulse of what we kind of what we do and like what we like doing we like doing events we like doing gatherings and a lot of our team like soi and we just haven't honestly to be transparent we just haven't done well with you know pushing the team like i our, my admin does it for me but pushing the team accountability wise like hey that we we use a 7l you know so six weeks before we have a structure but uh to what they need to do to invite and then after what they do but hardly any of them do it i have one agent who really does it 
Yeah. So. And, and again, I mean, everybody's a little different on how they handle that. You know, here's one quick thing I'll show you. This is, a, and I just shared it in the chat room so you can download it. This is called a lead generation contest, right? And this could be for like two months. I, I always recommend this for two months where you actually get points <clears throat> um, for different things you do. And these are activity-based indicators. You know, every day, do we start the day with your gratitudes, workout, prayer, or meditation? Something oh. healthy to start the day. You get two points for that. And then do you follow your morning schedule and your calendar? Do you complete your Facebook 10, 10, 5, right? 10 likes, 10 comments, five post shares. Do you make all your inventory pipeline lead follow-up calls every single day? Are you following all your leads in the inventory pipeline? Do you make your five sphere of influence calls a day or whatever number that is for you? This is totally editable. It's a Word document, so you can change around. Do you host one open house a week? You get seven points for each open house posted do you conduct an annual property analysis with some member of your soi seven points for each zoom or face-to-face -face apa meeting uh, do you create and post social media content seven points for four posts in a single week three personal one business and then you can you get like a player's choice category down here where you can you know you get 10 points for any of these that you do speak with 20 soi members in a day use video to send a message to someone or share property info conduct a buyer consultation appointment get a buyer exclusive exclusive agency agreement signed get five google reviews in a single week get a video testimonial for a past client or put an offer under contract. Any of those will get you 10 points. So you have this contest and at the end of like two months, cool. Yeah. you, uh, you know, so it gives you a little bit too, too much. I, I wouldn't do it any more in two months. You might even just do it for a month because once someone gets kind of ahead, the rest quit. So yeah, you don't want yeah, it going I'm, on for four months. So like a month yeah. is probably even better than two months. You just do one every single month. You know what I'm saying? And you just keep doing it and you give something away or, you know, get, if you got a vacation house someone has that you can let them use or something, you know what I mean? Um, and that's a way. Yeah, to we're doing that right now, Brian, year. which is, yeah, we're, we're doing that right now. I'm giving an iPad away. There you go. Um, so we, the, our contest ends the week of Thanksgiving. Um, yep. But I didn't put, you know, ours is open escrow, listing, listing appointment, buyer's consult. So. I didn't put the morning routines and that's, I love that stuff. Yeah. You could spruce but, all that. Yeah. Up. Same, same thing. We have a, yeah, we have a couple of people who are kind of running away and some of the teams are just deflated. I'm like, come on guys, shoot. Yep. I just threw so, it in the chat room. So you should all be able yeah, to download two months. It. We did our, as long months. as you're not on a phone, you know, phone and zoom don't work very well. Yeah. Um, so you've got that. And then the other thing, you know, is do you have a team scoreboard or a dashboard? That's the other, you know, that's the four disciplines of execution. I mean, I, again, yeah. it's kind of, you know, the way that I handle SOI. I mean, again, this is an old scoreboard, but, you know, SOI contacts, how many do they want to make each week? You know, how many people do they want to add to their SOI each week? And it might be, you know, you know, if you've got a client event, we might use a client event contact plan, you know, and then I would actually make the contacts on the scoreboard relate to the contact plan. Um, so let me show you what a client event contact plan looks like. I think most of you have seen this before, but every week, you know, you, the key is to have a team meeting every single week. You got to have that. I mean, that's any book on leadership is going to tell you that. And then you should have a dashboard. Any book on leadership is going to tell you that. Um, and what I would have is team meeting agenda. So you always have new business every single week. And 
if you have a client event coming up inside of the next two or three months, you have a client event contact plan. And these are the 12 weeks. This is designed for three months leading up to a client event, right? So you have save the date email, save the date mailer three months out, right? Then you start your invitation phone calls, making your, so you're going to have your invitation phone calls the whole time because you have 300 people in your SOI. Let's say you call two people a day, makes it nice and easy. You can be doing it the entire three months. And all you're doing is calling and texting people, inviting them to an event. The first month, maybe it's just save the date for the event, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, so you're going to do that. And then, you know, along the way is going to be different touches. Like you might do, um, you know, save the date with your SOI with a person, you know, a direct message on Facebook. Um, then you might mail out formal invitations. Then you might email formal invitations. Then you might do direct personal message, formal invitations. You might post the event on a Facebook page. So you're diversifying all your contacts, just like any SOI contact plan, right? Just like you do a 33 touch. You share the event info on your Facebook page and your personal Facebook pages. Then you send an event reminder email, you know, a bulk text event reminder, um, slide dial straight to voice message reminder, you know, then a lot of reminders the week. And then afterwards, thank you, email, thank you, letter, thank you, Facebook posts where you tag all the attendees. So you get a bunch of social media traction. I think you guys saw that demonstrated by me pretty well after the ICC summit, we tagged everybody and everything. And I think it's still going viral on Facebook, you know, five days later, because we tagged everyone that was there. So everybody started sharing and, you know, it just goes nuts. If you tag, so if you have 200 people at your event, tag all 200 people in one image and watch what happens. Learn to use social media. It'll go crazy. You'll have touches on people for four or five days straight. It'll go viral. Um, so you just do a photo dump and tag everyone. And that's your client event contact plan. Of course, then you take those contacts every single week and you're meeting as a team. And what you're doing is you're trying to explain to them, and you know, every week, you know, you're, did you make your SOIs? So your contacts on the dashboard that I showed you, where you're making, let's say, five a day, two a day, whatever you decide, it doesn't really matter. I don't care if you just do two a day. You know, it's still something. And you're gonna, you know, they're all just invites, even though it says SOI contacts. These are all going to be invitations to the client event leading up to it. And it's just making sure, you know, I'd be telling them, hey guys, it's up to you. I'm not going to make you do it. You're adults. I'm not going to get mad at you, but understand I'm having this client event for you guys, not for me. I've already got tons of business for my SOI. That's why I have you guys handling a lot of them on the buyer side. It's you guys. I want to grow your own business. You know, that that's what I, that's what we're trying to do. We're having these events for you guys to market as your own to your people. The Thomas Curtis team is going to take the seat in the back almost like a broker would. And you're out in front saying, come to my event. This is your opportunity to grow your business within this tool structures and marketing materials provided by the team. And so you just tell them that, but again, you can't really get mad at them. They're big people, they're adults. You just keep trying to encourage almost yeah. like you would children. Um, you know what I mean? Like you don't get mad, you don't fire your kids when they don't do their homework. You just try to keep encouraging. You know what I'm saying? So it's very yeah, much- One like thing I pulled out of this weekend, What's that? Yeah, one of the biggest things I pulled out from the, the summit this weekend from all the successful people there, it's, you know, everyone's doing something. I mean, they're just doing it, right? So the successful people are just doing it and being consistent. Right. And I mean, it's not anything crazy. It's not no special fairy dust. They're just doing something and running with it. And they're and all they're having problems it. with agent right. accountability, I promise you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank God or they wouldn't need us.
<laughs> you know, it's just always going to be a small percentage that does what they're supposed to do. Don't expect your whole team to sit there and just do it all the time. If you can just move that needle a little bit, yeah. like get them all doing a few more contacts, you're doing good. If just one or two recognizes and wakes up, you know, and some will do it now and some will start doing it next year. It's just the way it is. But you're just always there like a good parent yeah. waiting for them to respond to you. But don't get too beat up if they mm -hmm. don't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, all you know, right. I'll just... Appreciate it. I'll just wrap it up real fast here. I just want to make sure I show you these last two org structures. You know, large team. Um, this is a traditional structure where we still split buyers, agents, and listing agents. Okay. Now we're going to start bringing in inside sales agents typically to help convert the nurture those online leads so that we can actually then start delivering very warm leads, if not appointments, to our sales agents. And of course, the admin staff grows out. And this structure works very very well um and then you can also do it on the hybrid side just as well that hybrid structure um same deal it just kind of keeps growing out as well also and here's what that looks like you can see here same thing isa down the middle same big admin staff and now we got you know less agents doing more uh, both buy side and list side same deal it's just gotten larger than our previous one now it can even go further and we got a lot of teams that do this now, just to show you, and the sky's the limit. And typically when we get to those large teams or the team I'm about, the team structure I'm about to show you, for those of you that were at the summit, you saw Rick Filler talking a lot, Jake Rockwell, those guys are totally out of production. And their teams look like this. This is called an expansion team. You know, and, and some of them expand, you know, like Rick, most good expansion teams, in my opinion, keep it pretty concentric. In other words, they just kind of start expanding in their general area. They don't jump across the country and make it tough. They just kind of widen their circle of where they are. Like Rick Fuller's team is all over the Bay Area in different cities. So he's got different pods working in different cities. Um, and it gets really, really intricate. Now, Rick has not listed a property in years. He hasn't helped buyers in years. He's completely out of production. He does meet with them every single week, but he's, you know, he's freed up. He coaches for me, trains for me. Um, and this team, you know, to a large extent runs itself now but they get very, very big, uh, very, very structured and very, very intricate. But again, he makes a ton of money and he doesn't work much in this. In fact, so much so he's into other endeavors trying to earn income. So you talk about always having something to learn. That is monstrous right there. You know, that gets really, really, really big. So that's the idea behind it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Trainer Podcast, sponsored by Eisenhower Coaching and Consulting. For more information about real estate coaching or to watch Brian's training videos, check out therealestatetrainer.com or find us on social media. And remember, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they're available.